Chapter Sixteen of Benjamin Franklin by Robin McCown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A glorious old age. On August twenty seventh, seventeen eighty three, just a few days before the signing of the peace treaty with England, a balloon ascension was held at the Champ de Mars. It was the first in Paris. The first in history had taken place near Lyon in the previous June for four days preceding the event the great balloon of varnished silk had been filling up with hydrogen gas under the direction of the physicist jacques alessandre cesar charles paris was agog with excitement some fifty thousand gathered to watch franklin who was present reported that the balloon rose rapidly till it entered the clouds when it seemed to me scarce bigger than an orange and soon after became invisible what good is it a skeptic asked what good is a newborn baby franklin retorted a remark that went around the world he saw the first free balloon ascend with human passengers on november twentieth at the chateau de la mouette in passy the passengers scientists pilatre de rosier and the marquis d'arlande were lifted some five hundred feet floated over the seine and landed in paris a few weeks later he witnessed a balloon soar upwards from the paris tuileries taking its human cargo to the incredible height of two thousand feet he could not resist speculating as to what man's triumph over space might mean to the future would the balloon perhaps become a common means of transportation how delightful that would be for one like himself for whom riding in a carriage had become such agony but he could hardly hope for such comfort in his lifetime more to the point was the possibility that the actuality of balloon flight might convince sovereigns of the folly of wars five thousand balloons capable of raising two men each could not cost more than five ships of the line and where is the prince who can afford so to cover his country with troops for its defence as that ten thousand men descending from the clouds might not in many places do an infinite deal of mischief before a force could be brought together to repel them not even the wealthiest and most powerful ruler could guard his dominions against such an air raid the terrible threat would mean an end to warfare so franklin reasoned happily unable to peer into the future following the treaty of paris congress had retained his services as ambassador to france for two years longer he served unofficially as united states ambassador for all of europe and new honors rained down on him he was elected a member of madrid's royal academy of history of manchester's literary and philosophical society of the academies of sciences and arts in the french towns of orleans and lyon through admiral lord richard howe a staunch friend still the british admiralty sent him captain cook's voyage to the pacific ocean a tribute to his instructions to american cruisers to refrain from interfering with the explorer and his crew his real and solid pleasures came not from such tokens of recognition but from the circle of good friends he had acquired in his years at passy he was on good terms with the parish priest the village tradesmen and all the children of the town the chaumont family on whose estate he lived were deeply devoted to him including the young daughter sophie whom he called my little wife 
he established strong bonds of friendship with his neighbor the lovely and talented young madame brion wife of an elderly treasury official for several years he called on her nearly every wednesday and saturday to play chess or to idle on her terrace in the sun sometimes he played for her on his harmonica once he spent a summer day with madame brion and some other companions on moulin joli an island on the seine over the river hovered a swarm of tiny mayflies known as ephemera since their lifespan is but a few hours as a souvenir of this holiday he wrote the ephemera one of his most charming fables a delicate satire about the trivia which make up the thoughts and actions of many human souls during their own comparatively brief period on earth papa madame brion called franklin after she and her husband left passy she sent him a plaintive note how am i going to spend the wednesdays and saturdays might they perhaps be united in paradise we shall live on roast apples only the music will be made up of scottish airs everyone will speak the same language the english will be neither unjust nor wicked ambition envy pretensions jealousy prejudices all these will vanish at the sound of the trumpet young and old french women lavished attention on the american philosopher in return he gave them affection both fatherly and gallant told them amusing stories and showed them that combination of respect for their mental capacities and appreciation of their womanly charms which had won over catherine ray green so many years before among his many close women friends the most celebrated was the elderly madame helvetius widow of a wealthy landowner and philosopher who lived with her two daughters at auteuil a village next to passy in the midst of a little park planted with hortensias and rhododendron and overrun with cats dogs chickens canaries pigeons and wild birds our lady of auteuil franklin called her while her daughters were les étoiles the stars her salon was frequented by philosophers statesmen poets scientists and mathematicians franklin first met her through the french minister turgot when she knew him better she told him she wished she had welcomed him as she had voltaire whom she had greeted at her gate like a king one of the many scholars franklin met at her salon was a talented young doctor named philippe pinel franklin advised him to come to america where doctors were badly needed pinel was tempted but refused and became famous for his courage and wisdom in removing chains from the insane at the paris hospitals of bicetre and salpetriere while john adams and his wife abigail were at passy franklin invited madame helvetius to dinner the worthy abigail was horrified when madame helvetius kissed franklin's cheeks and forehead in greeting even more shocking in her eyes the guest held franklin's hand at dinner and now and then let her arm rest on the back of john adams's chair i should have been greatly astonished at this conduct abigail wrote afterwards if the good doctor had not told me that in this lady i should see a genuine frenchwoman wholly free from affectation or stiffness of behavior and one of the best women in the world for this i must take the doctor's word but i should have set her down for a very bad one whatever abigail adams thought there is no doubt of franklin's devotion some time 
no one knows just when he proposed marriage to madame alvetius she refused him perhaps she was too accustomed to her own way of life to want to make a change perhaps she felt that his proposal was only a form of gallantry neither the proposal nor her refusal interfered with their friendship which lasted as long as he stayed in france and by correspondence afterward since seventeen seventy seven he had his own private press at passy and a foundry to cast his own type his excuse was that the press was useful with so many official forms to be prepared but it was also true that printing was still in his blood and always would be one of the pamphlets that came off the passy printing press was information to those who would remove to america he thought too many of the wrong people wanted to emigrate to america for the wrong reasons and he wanted to correct their misapprehensions he discouraged artists and scholars who expected they would receive free transportation land slaves tools and livestock from a rich but ignorant america in america a man who did not bring his fortune must work and be industrious to live the chief resource of america was cheap land he pointed out farm laborers were needed skilled artisans could make a good living and provide for children and old age but those europeans who have these or greater advantages at home would do well to stay where they are to answer those who besieged him with questions about the indians he wrote remarks concerning the savages of north america perhaps the first fair appraisal of america's original inhabitants to be printed the indian men when young are hunters and warriors when old counsellors for all their government is by counsel of the sages there is no force there are no prisons no officers to compel obedience or inflict punishment the indian women till the ground dress the food nurse and bring up the children and preserve and hand down to posterity the memory of public transactions these employments of men and women are accounted natural and honorable having few artificial wants they have abundance of leisure for improvement by conversation our laborious manner of life compared with theirs they esteem slavish and base and the learning on which we value ourselves they regard as frivolous and useless so he continued by illustration and by example to show that while indian ways and customs were quite different from those of the white men there was much to be said for them and they were by no means always inferior in fact there was much which men who called themselves civilized could learn by studying the nature of those called savages some pieces in lighter vein were also run off his press which franklin wrote partly as an exercise in french partly to entertain himself and his friends in one of these bagatelles as such pieces were known he told parisians of a discovery he had made whereby they could make great savings in the cost of candles and oil lamps he had gone to bed one night as usual at three or four hours after midnight and had been awakened by a sudden noise at six to find that his room was flooded with light his servant had forgotten to close the shutters before he retired looking into his almanac he learned what few others could know that the sun rises early and that 
he gives light as soon as he rises another of his bagatelles was dialogue between franklin and the gout in which gout explains his frequent and unwelcome visits as due simply to franklin's indolence he plays chess too much and exercises too little the ephemera was printed as a bagatelle and so was the whistle an expanded version of the little story he had once told his son william his intellectual curiosity had not slackened during his years in france war or no war he continued to observe natural phenomena, write and reflect on scientific matters and keep up with the newest discoveries and inventions he attended meetings of the royal society of medicine to which he had been elected in seventeen seventy seven and of the french academy of science in seventeen eighty two he watched antoine laurent lavoisier perform an experiment with the gas he had named oxygen joseph priestley's deflogestated air he wrote to jan ingenhaus a dutch scientist about differences between the leyden jar and volta's new electrophorus and to edward nairn an english friend about the comparative humidity of the air in london philadelphia and passy to a french friend count de Jebelin, he discoursed on the characteristics of the various indian languages when de Jebelin commented that some indian words sounded phoenician franklin dived into archaeological speculations if any phoenicians arrived in america i should rather think it was not by the accident of a storm but in the course of their long and adventurous voyages and that they coasted from denmark and norway over to greenland and down southward by newfoundland nova scotia etc to new england as the danes themselves certainly did some ages before columbus he wrote a paper on the phenomenon of the aurora borealis the northern lights for the french academy of science sent notes to marie antoinette's physician felix vicdazir on the length of time infection could remain in the body after death and investigated a story of some workmen in the passy quarry who claimed to have found living toads shut up in solid stone in a letter to another friend the abbe Soulavi, he pondered on why there were coal mines under the sea at whitehaven and oyster shells in the derbyshire mountains indications of some great geological changes in the past was it possible that the surface of the earth was a shell capable of being broken and disordered by the violent movements of the fluid on which it rested admittedly this was only a guess i approve much more your method of philosophizing which proceeds upon actual observations he still tinkered with inventions and for his own comfort devised the first bifocal glasses so he could see both near and far without changing his spectacles he was old enough to be serious all the time but he never could resist a hoax even with his scientific friends to the eminent french physician georges cabanis he confided that in the forests of north america he had observed a bird which like the horned screamer or the horned lapwing carries two horned tubercles at the joints of the wings these two tubercles at the death of the bird become the sprouts of two vegetable stalks which grow at first in sucking the juice from its cadaver and which subsequently attach themselves to the earth in order to live in the manner of plants and trees 
the inspiration for this weird creation of his imagination was perhaps the vegetable animal he thought he saw on the gulf weed he had fished out of the gulf stream at the age of twenty his friend cabanis suspecting nothing dutifully reported it in one of his books taking only the precaution to note that in spite of the great veracity of franklin i cite it with a great deal of reserve what endless marvels the world offered and how much there was to know about them one lifetime was not nearly long enough the rapid progress true science now makes occasions my regretting sometimes that i was born so soon he wrote joseph priestley after their countries were at peace once more it is impossible to imagine the height to which may be carried in a thousand years the power of man over matter oh that moral science were in as fair a way of improvement that men would cease to be wolves to one another and that human beings would at length learn what they now improperly call humanity he could not guess that his fervent cry would still be echoed in one form or another more than a hundred and seventy-five years after his death in seventeen eighty four the king of france chose him to serve on a commission of five to investigate the work of dr franz anton mesmer who claimed to effect cures through animal magnetism a universal fluid which flowed to his patients from the healer or from some object magnetized by the healer such as a tree all fashionable paris was flocking to mesmer's seances his following was enormous throughout france with franklin on this commission served joseph ignace guillotine whose name would survive in the french revolution's chief instrument of execution and the scientist lavoisier whom the guillotine would claim as a victim after many months of study the commission concluded that animal magnetism did not exist and that mesmer's cures were the result of imagination the importance of imagination in physical illness was as yet unrecognized privately franklin commented that mesmer's treatments certainly did some good at least they kept some from taking injurious drugs on the whole the findings of the commission brought both mesmer and mesmerism into disrepute indirectly the shadow of its disapproval fell on a phenomenon first discovered by a mesmer disciple the marquis de Porciguer that some persons in a state of trance and apparently asleep are able to obey simple commands hypnotism for many years after de Pusiger's observations was relegated to quacks rather than physicians and scientists in august of seventeen eighty four thomas jefferson arrived from america to help negotiate treaties with european and north african powers franklin introduced him to his french scientific friends and found in his company the same harmony as when they were both members of the second continental congress his last winter in france polly hewson and her children also joined him at passy mrs stevenson polly's mother had died in england during the war franklin welcomed these members of his english family with joy and affection he still had his two grandsons with him there had been some objections from congress to his making temple his secretary on the grounds that he was the son of a traitor franklin had been highly indignant 
methinks it is rather some merit that i have rescued a valuable young man from the danger of being a tory and fixed him in honest republican whig principles yet there was some justification in the fears of congress at twenty-six temple was charming handsome and spoiled he spent his evenings at music halls and wearing red heels an embroidered coat and with an angora cat on a leash paraded the boulevards with aristocratic young friends mockingly the parisians dubbed him franklinette while franklin was trying to kill a clause in the peace treaty conceding special privileges to tories temple without his knowledge wrote to lord shelburne pleading a government post for his tory father different as could be was benjamin bache now sixteen a husky wholesome youngster much like franklin at his age he wanted no more than to be a printer as his grandfather had been franklin taught him how to cast type and in april seventeen eighty five persuaded the best printer in france to make him an apprentice the arrangement was of short duration in may franklin at last received permission from congress to come home jefferson was appointed ambassador to france in his stead i am not replacing franklin jefferson said loyally no one could do that i am only his successor he left passy on july twelfth seventeen eighty five travelling to havre in a royal litter drawn by mules which the king had provided for his comfort his personal goods one hundred and twenty-eight boxes in all went by barge down the seine he took with him louis the sixteenth's personal gift the king's miniature set with four hundred and eight diamonds the whole population of passy watched him leave silent except for occasional outbursts of sobs all the days of my life i shall remember that a great man a sage wished to be my friend wrote madame brion just before his departure a farewell note from madame helvetius was waiting for him at havre i see you in your litter every step taking you further from us lost to me and all my friends who love you so much and to whom you leave such long regrets he and his grandsons spent four days at southampton england william franklin came down from london where he was now living to see them but the meeting with his father was brief and strained then benjamin franklin set off for his eighth crossing of the atlantic he knew it would be his last End of chapter 16